have men in this church who can handle God's word and declare it. And Brian, I listened to it on YouTube this week, and it truly encouraged me, and, and, and it was a blessing. So thank you. Uh, for those that were not here, you can listen to that sermon. For those that were here, you know the challenge that Brian brought before you and the, the challenge to, to live out our faith. And, and what a time we need to do this, isn't it? So thank you very much. My wife and I had the opportunity to, uh, to get away for a weekend and go to Weekend to Remember. It's a marriage conference put on by Family Life, and our marriage is fine. Um, we went there in, in a good place. We, we came back in a stronger place. And uh, it's, it's good to invest in this wonderful institution that God has established called marriage. In fact, it was December of 2000. It was Christmas Eve. And that was a day that I had been looking forward to for quite some time. I had planned it. I had prepared it. And it was that night, Christmas Eve, that evening, that I presented my girlfriend at the time with a gift. As she opened up the gift, she opened up a blanket, unfolded it, and embroidered on it. It was a wonderful message that I was thrilled with. It says, will you marry me, December 24, 24th, 2000. As she was reading those words, I dropped to one knee, opened up a little tiny box that had a ring in it, and I proceeded to ask Lisa Thompson to be my bride. She said yes. Some of you are holding your breath like, <gasps> did she say yes? She did. Uh, very thrilled with that. And, you know, um, she took that ring. That, that evening we went to the Christmas Eve service and she, she held her hand over it and didn't want to show or tell anybody. No, just kidding. She was like, oh, she was so excited. And, and uh, I mean, between her and our mom and all of that, I mean, I mean, the whole church knew. And she was showing them and, and excited. It was, it was a wonderful evening. That night when we, we got back, I would proceed to take some mistletoe. And I asked my bride-to-be if I could give her a kiss. That was the first kiss I'd ever had or she had. I'll tell you guys right now, she's the best kisser I know. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, what a blessing it was. We, uh, we were married January 19th, 2002. And it was that day that, that we stood before the Lord, friends, and family. And we shared our vows to one another. And we entered into a covenant relationship of marriage. This January, we were able to celebrate 21 years. That coming together of two as one. It was, it was wonderful. The conference last weekend was, was focused on that, that oneness in the relationship of marriage. And um, truly, 
want to thank you for that opportunity. This morning, as, as we consider communion, as we have a focus on, on the Lord's Supper there, I want us to focus on the Bride of Christ. On the screen is, is our doctrinal statement on the Bride of Christ. This is how our doctrine reads. We believe that the church, which is the body and the espouse Bride of Christ, is a spiritual organism made up of all born-again persons of this present age. That's the way our doctrine reads concerning the Bride of Christ. And, and for those of us who have, who have entered into that relationship with Jesus Christ through faith, we are part of that espoused bride. Uh, espoused, it's, it's, it's not a word we use as much, betrothal. It's that, that person who is promised to another person for marriage. As we consider, it's, it's our term of being engaged. For Lisa and I, that would look like 13 months, the longest 13 months of my life. Oh, my goodness. Waiting was, was just, oh, the anticipation. It built up. But we would wait and we would look forward to that day. And, and as we we look at the text and consider the betrothal period, it's in, in the scriptures in that time, the betrothal period was, was actually a legally binding relationship. In fact, so much so, if you wanted to get out of the engagement, you had to go through a legal divorce. This was binding and that's important as we consider this concept of the church as the bride of Christ. And we're going to look at what the scriptures have to say about this bride. It's kind of interesting, the concept of the church being a bride. Where do we get that? I mean, it's, it's a concept that, that we see, and it's almost like a common knowledge that the early church had. The, the terminology, the verbiage, all of that pointed to that. And if you were to ask one of them, are you the bride of Christ? They would, they would have said, of course we are. And they would have said it with enthusiasm. Just as much as, as you would have heard if you had asked Lisa, are you engaged to Jed? She would have, yeah, okay. But as they consider this, they would. I, I love the passage in Ephesians, and I'm going to actually read it for you today, because it's a good passage, especially in light of Valentine's Day. Guys, that's Tuesday. Okay? All right? That's free. All right? But in Ephesians, it writes this way, in beginning of verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having not spot or wrinkle or any such thing, 
but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one can ever hate his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great. But I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. A beautiful passage. But as you look at that passage, we see Christ referencing himself to the church as the bridegroom, to the espoused bride, his church. What love, what passion. And we see it in 2 Corinthians. Look at this. 2 Corinthians, Paul writes to them, he says, For I am jealous, this is God speaking, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. Paul was saying to the church, I'm presenting you as the bride of Christ. What a picture. That's a pure virgin to Christ. Look also here in Revelation as John is writing and he's declaring the things yet to come, the things you and I look forward to with anticipation. He says, let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. There's a marriage to come. There's a marriage feast, a celebration and the Lamb will be joined with His bride, the church. So, so why this picture of the bride? Where did it all start from? It, and I could go to many more verses on this. How does this concept occur? And for that, we look at the Last Supper. Luke in his gospel, is, as he, he records for us the Last Supper, he says that, that Christ was eagerly looking forward to this meal with them. With great anticipation. This is sort of like I was on December 24th. There was an anticipation that was building inside. An excitement for what was to occur. The things that would be expressed. Earnestly desiring that moment. Jesus gathers his disciples together. And I want you to look with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew records for us, actually each of the Gospels do, but Matthew records that Last Supper this way, beginning in verse 26. Imagine this, they're all sitting down. And Jesus, with, with a passion and a love, is, is excited for this moment. And, and typically at a Passover meal, there were certain things you would say. Almost a script. 
It was, it was tradition, and they would do this each and every year at the time of Passover. And as Jesus comes to this moment, the, the disciples anticipate what they're going to hear, and, and Jesus breaks script. He says something new. Matthew records for us, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread. And after a blessing, by the way, that's one of the passages where we kind of have our tradition of praying before we eat something, before a meal. It comes back to some of these verses. But after a blessing, he broke it, which was typical fashion, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Some translations would read, This is my body which is broken for you. Now that would have been really strange that first night, wouldn't it have? Whoa! <laughs> what did he just say? But then he went on. And when he had taken a cup, and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it in new with you in my Father's kingdom. We read that and we're like, okay, this is communion. This is the, the cup and the bread, and it is. What they would have understood and heard that night was something a little different. The same thing, but the implication of the day and understanding of the time would have been like, whoa, wow. Jesus has just invited us into a relationship. And to understand this, you and I will have to, to go back 2,000 years. Jesus was inviting them to become one with him. We, we call this communion, common union. What is in you is in me. And when we enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ, when we place our faith in him, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell the believer. What is in you is in me, a common union. And when we come to communion, we partake of the elements, and it is a common union, remembering the oneness that you and I engage in through Jesus Christ. Communion. And... To understand this better, we, we go back to a Galilee wedding. A Galilee wedding, typically 
this, this is called the Shadukin. Did I say that right, Edie? Shadukin? Close enough. All right, good. Thank you. All right, the Shadukin. It was a, a betrothal ceremony, a wedding type ceremony that would occur. And, and this ceremony would, would occur. It was a marriage process that started the betrothal. And when this occurred, the, the arrangements would, would be set up and it would be a legal arrangement. But it would be prior to the wedding day. There's three factors that would be factored into this process, this ceremony. The first was that the father would choose the bride. The father would choose the bride. How many of you dads out there really like that idea? Okay. How many of you girls like that idea? Oh, not as many hands go up. Okay. All right. But the father would choose the bride. It would be an arrangement that would be made. It would be arranged with the son, typically. But he would choose and select the bride for his son. There was a bride price. An arrangement that, a dowry, so to speak, of acquiring this bride. And I know that in, in our culture, in our time, we're like, oh, no. How dare they purchase a bride like a piece of property? That's not what this was about. This was understanding the, the value of the individual. Not only would this be a bride price, but it would also be to care for the bride in the groom's absence. Because remember, this is not the wedding. They are not going off together happily ever after yet. There is a waiting period. There is a betrothal period. So this bride price would, would be there to care for and sustain and meet the needs of the bride in the groom's absence. The wedding would come later. And thirdly, it consisted of a covenant. Not a contract. A contract is you do your part, I do my part. If you don't do your part, we break it. But they entered into a covenant, a promise, a relationship, a oneness. To understand a covenant, you can go back to Abraham, where the two halves of the animals are, are split, and they walk in, and God walks through. It's interesting. Those animals were not intended to be cut in half. Did you know that? They were intended to be whole. And it was a beautiful picture that the two coming together were a picture meant to be whole, one, oneness. And that covenant relationship is not to be broke because when it is broke, it is something unintended. It is split. It is fractured. They entered into not a contract, but a covenant. 
Consider these passages. One we've already quoted earlier, John 3.16. This one I always have to put on the screen because if I don't, I have so many different versions floating around in my head. I've, I originally memorized this in the Old King James, then the New King James, then the NIV, then the AS or NASB, and then there's so many different translations of this. So we're going to read this together. But listen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Leave it up there for just a moment. God, the Father, loved the world. He chose his bride for his son, mankind. There was a choosing of the Father, but Christ would pay the dowry. Christ would pay the price, and he would pay it with his blood. First Peter, look at this. First Peter chapter 1, it says, knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, the typical things that would be paid for a dowry, right? You and I are far more valuable to him. From your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers. Do you know what we were paid with? Look at what it says. Verse 19. But with the precious blood. With the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished, spotless, the blood of Christ. There was a price that was paid for you. And not only was that price paid, but it was paid with the intent to care for us while he is absent. Look with me to John chapter 14. I love this passage. Such a powerful passage. John 14, 16 says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Look at that word helper. Think about that, and we'll come back to it in just a moment. That he may be with you forever. Look at verse 17. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Not only did he pay the price to enter into that betrothed relationship, he also sent a helper. Do you know that word helper is the exact same word for a helpmate? When God says, Adam, I will provide for you a helpmate, a helper. Ladies, let me tell you this right now. Men here, listen. Your wife as a helpmate is, is equivalent. It is, it is the picture of the Holy Spirit within you. It is not a weak position. It is a necessary role in that relationship of oneness. Men, do not think that helper is, is a servant. Your waitress. Your house cleaner. That is not the role of a wife. She can do those things in that relationship. That's fine. But the, the helpmate is one who comes alongside and engages, empowers, emboldens, and God gave us his spirit. 
What a beautiful price. And then there's the covenant. A legally binding agreement. I appreciate what Ray Vanderloan says about this covenant process. He writes, When they'd arrive at the price that was to be paid for the young woman, the young man would then ask her to marry him. But he did it in a very Jewish way. Today, we, we see that, and usually the young man gets on his knee and says, will you marry me? And presents her with a ring. But it was a very Jewish way. The young man's father would take a flask of wine. He would pour a cup of wine and hand it to his son. The son would then turn to the young woman with all solemnity of an oath before God Almighty himself. The young man would take the cup of wine and say to the young woman, this cup is a new covenant in my blood which I offer to you. I am giving you my life. In other words, I love you. I'll be your faithful husband. Will you be my bride? What a beautiful picture as we consider the cup. And Jesus that night took that cup, didn't he? He says, this is a cup, a new covenant that I give to you. Will you take it? I don't know if you ladies would rather a man offer you a cup of wine or a ring, but I guarantee <laughs> some both. I don't know. But I guarantee you would want that level of commitment that was expressed in that covenant. It's interesting. At this point in the betrothal, the price paid the choice made by the Father. The expression of the covenant vow given. The bride held all the power. The offer was made, the, the invitation. But at this moment, she had a choice. Whether she would Embrace that offer or reject. In presenting the cup, the young girl, if she accepted it, would take the cup and drink of it. Common union. What's in you is in me. Here's a beautiful part. The young man would then take the cup back from her and drink it himself. Sealing that covenant. It's interesting that night that Jesus was so excited about that, that betrothal he presented the cup and each of them as it went around drank from the cup receiving that 
saying, yes! And when he came back to Christ, he says, I'm not going to drink of this. There's others who will drink. There's others who will come into this relationship. Those that will be part of the church, the bride of Christ. So he's waiting. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That proposal included you and I. Throughout the ages, throughout the years, God continues to reach out and draw people to himself. Pleading for that relationship because of his love for mankind. The sad reality is there are those who will reject, there are those who will receive. When we partake of communion, it's a picture. Don't think that partaking of this bread that we bought from a store and the grape juice that we picked up, I think, from Walmart is holy or sacred. It is a picture of the relationship by faith that you and I enter into through faith in Jesus Christ. But, take notice, when you and I come to communion, I think sometimes we take it flippantly. We fail to realize that when we are doing that, we are expressing that we are the betrothed bride of Jesus Christ. And we come to the communion table, we come to that time stained our hearts not right before God and there's a preparing of the heart that needs to occur when we come to the Lord's table because even though the elements are not holy in themselves the act of remembrance and partaking and representing is very holy. We are here today as the church in this betrothal period. We are, we are preparing. There would be a preparation that would occur after this betrothal. I will go back to John 14. Look at the first three verses in this. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Look at verse 2. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. It's interesting. The groom, the reason he would go off is he would go back to his Father's house and add on to the house to bring his wife one day says, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. You're my bride. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. There is a moment where Christ is coming back for his bride. 
Oh, what a day that would be. I, I look forward to that day with anticipation. Much like I looked forward to our wedding day. The difference is, is I knew when our wedding day would be. We had announcements and everything. We had countdowns. That was back in the day you had answering machines at your house. I changed that thing every day. Anybody could have called and found out how many days till the wedding. The difference is you and I in this betrothal period have no clue. We can't call God and listen to the answer machine. He's like, 10 more days. We're like, yes. We call his answer machine. He says, any day now. Well, that, that, that could be today. Yes. It could be 100 days from now. Yes. Any day. Church. We have not entered into religion. This is not about religion. We have entered into relationship. A passionate one. Where our bridegroom loves us so much. You know, what's really interesting is the day I asked Lisa to marry me, she had a different last name. It was Thompson. The day we sealed our vows, she took my name. Do you realize when we enter into that relationship, we now bear the name of Jesus Christ? What a beautiful thing. Sadly, as the espoused bride of Christ, and I'm not going to talk too much about this. We'll get to this in one of our book studies here soon. But the church, in that waiting period, is having an affair. An affair of the mind, an affair of the heart with the world. While we ask God, God, just watch and smile. Just waiting for you, but while I am, I'm having fun. And we have an affair with this world. How it must break his heart. But there's a day he's coming. He says, prepare yourself, church. I'm coming back. Get ready. It was so much fun to watch my wife prepare for our wedding day. Oh my goodness. There was choosing of colors and cakes and decorations and dress. I didn't get to see the dress till the day of, but she still worked on it. I knew that. There was preparation. Church, are we preparing? Are we preparing ourselves? Are we preparing our hearts? wonderful thing about a Galilean wedding it was a surprise in fact even the groom didn't know he would know it's getting close as he was building and all that in the finishing touches but the father chose the father chose the day and he would say it's time son 
Oh my goodness, that young man would go with his just his whole party and they would be excited. They would come and they would receive the bride. Oh, what a surprise. What a celebration. Waiting with eagerness and excitement. Are you excited for the Lord to return? Are you eager? Not because of this world, but because of who's coming. Because of who you are. Because of who He is. Oh, it thrills me. I'm going to ask the men to come forward at this time for a time of remembrance. You know, it's interesting. We... My wife and I remember certain things every December 24th. I will find a mistletoe in our house. You guys can have a seat here. But I'll, I'll find a mistletoe in our house. We always have one. And on Christmas Eve, to remember that occasion, I'll kiss my bride. With a twinkle in my eye. Every January 19th is a special day. We do something to remember the vows that we gave each other. However many years before. It's a date on the calendar that's circled. It's there so we don't forget. This morning we come and we partake of communion so we don't forget. So we don't forget the price that was paid. The relationship, the passion of Jesus Christ for you and me. I'd encourage you right now to take a moment and prepare your heart. This is a remembrance of those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, who have entered into that passionate of passionate relationships because of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It's for his espoused bride. I'd encourage you, if your heart is not right before him, if you have not entered into that relationship, I'd encourage you to let the elements pass you by. This is to remember what He has done. We're going to pass out the bread first. At the center is gluten-free for those who need. But as it goes by, I just ask that you wait so we could all partake together. Take this time to, to prepare your hearts.
that night. The night Jesus had been looking forward to, he took that bread. And in typical fashion, he would break it. But he said, remember. They wouldn't understand it that night. Oh, but just several days later, they would understand it fully. He said, as often as you eat this, as often as it's broken, remember my body broken for you. Let's ask a blessing. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, as we pause to remember what you have done, God, that you would love us to the extent of sending your Son, your perfect Holy Son. God, that he would allow his body to be broken and beaten. What a cost. What a passion. What a love. God, as we partake of this bread today, we ask your blessing on it. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we partake together? Once again, as the cup is passed, I pray, ask that you would just allow God to, to work in your heart and that you would wait so we can all partake together.
What a night. As Christ would take that cup. To reveal the true cost of this covenant oneness, this covenant relationship he calls us into. His blood. Will you join me as we ask a blessing on this cup? Gracious Heavenly Father, to know the cost that each one of us deserved to pay, that your Son, the depth of your love for the world, that he would shed his blood for us. God, we thank you for that precious shed blood of the Lamb of God that allows us to enter into this beautiful covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. So as we partake today, we ask this blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we partake together? You know, Christ would tell them that night, he goes, as often as you do this, to do it in remembrance of me. And that as we do it, we will look forward to his surprise, his return, the day the bridegroom comes for his bride. And so we do so remembering the cost that was paid, but rejoicing and looking forward to the bridegroom coming. Mark's going to come and lead us in one closing hymn here. And I would encourage you.